2: Welcome to the first ever episode of Juice Bags, a podcast dedicated exclusively to the sport of tennis. So let's just get the ball rolling. But before we do, let me just introduce my co-host who must be buzzing now with the result at the Cincinnati Masters. I present to you my co-host, Umara Nars. Hi Umara.
0: Hi Shree, how are you?
2: Doing good? So buzzing still? Or well, it's calm down?
0: I am, you are. I am. Yeah. <laughs>
2: no wonder.
0: I, ca- I can't deny that now. It's few and far between now for Roger Federer, so you know we have to enjoy them when they come.
2: Very rare, is it? I hope it doesn't become even more rarer, though,
0: for the sport of tennis. Oh, he's getting older now, so we'll see. <laughs> so yeah, joining us today, we have um, an AI regular, host of one of my favorite pods, actually, the brilliant TTT podcast, all-round sports lover. A man with all the stats you could ever want and if that wasn't impressive enough he's a really nice guy too. That's Mr. Dan Rhodes. Hi Dan.
1: <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah, how yeah. are you? That's, that's a lovely thing to say. Yeah I'm, I'm good. Uh, good. Yeah especially after the football last night but this isn't, isn't a football pod so let's get on to the tennis. Let's talk yeah. tennis. One of, Definitely, my, one of yeah. my first memories in sport is a tennis one. So,
0: so tell funny. us how did, you, how did you get into tennis then?
1: Well just, just one name really, Jeremy Bates. And I don't know how many people, um, in the world of tennis can, can cite Jeremy Bates as the biggest influence or first influence. But, but the, one of the first things I can remember when my friend's talking about, um, uh, a, a, an English player or, or a British player getting to the, getting to the second round of Wimbledon. <laughs> and it was on TV and it was big and the tennis was only on, uh, well, I could only ever remember it being on every fortnight during Wimbledon and Jeremy Bates beat Peter Fleming. In the, in the first round at Wimbledon went on to, to reach the, the third round that year. And at the time, and and what would become a ritual, no English player or British player would ever get to the second round. And never mind, you know, Edmund came along and got to some semis. But that was the thing. No no British player was ever likely or looked likely to win it. Uh, and one player getting to the third round of Wimbledon was considered a, a summer sporting success so mm-hmm. yeah, Jeremy Bates.
0: <laughs> Jeremy Bates. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to ask you what year that was because that. Eighty-seven. So 87. Oh, you, oh, you're all right to tell yeah, us. Yeah, and, right. I, and, I, and I
1: was seven <laughs> at the time, so. Oh, oh yeah. okay. And I ended up going going down to the to the local courts as well the year after. Got my first racket, which was a Donnet. So yeah, oh. I, thanks, Jeremy Bates. I also served the volley as well, so That's all oh. Jeremy Bates' fault.
0: <laughs> right, okay. I thought you were gonna say Becca <laughs> or no. Ed Berg or some big huge name like that. But no, okay, Jeremy. Well, Ray, I, I, I learned good. I learned
1: to love Becca at the time and McEnroe. Obviously yeah. McEnroe was the biggest character um, when you yeah. started to follow tennis. But no, it was definitely Jeremy Dick. Right,
0: okay.
1: What was yours? Okay.
0: All right, sure. Shri- Mine, um my earliest memories were obviously Wimbledon as well. You know, like you said, they were the sort of the only tournaments that were on T V at the time and yeah I mean I think I remember being a huge Boris Becker fan and he I would re- get really upset when he lost to Edberg um he lost a couple of finals to him didn't he but yeah I I remember watching that it was always on in my house my parents always used to ha- have sort of the big sporting events like the World Cups or the Wimbledons and things like that so they, they they were always you know on in my house so I remember those but yeah that's how I got into it and then Steffi Graf at the time and I remember having a little bit of a rivalry with Gabriella Sabatini. I don't know if anyone remembers her. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah there they were my early memories of, of tennis. And then, you know, sort of became interested in it from there, really. What about you, Sri?
2: Well, you have stated two names where I'm just going to go on the other side of the net, literally. So I started watching tennis thanks to my mom. She was interested in the sport of tennis. She was more used to watching the women's singles, though she used to follow Navratilova a lot. So I started actually watching women's tennis first, but during one of those breaks, they were showing highlights, and that was it. I, I was head over heels. Though he, I was a young guy, I was head over heels over Stefan Edberg. The ease of play in his game was something else. It was a sight to behold for me personally. So one Stefan best, Edberg. one of the
1: best volleyers I've, I've ever seen. Yeah. Really
2: yeah it, it it's like the ball would make its way to the racket rather than him taking the racket to the ball he knew he knew he just had to just touch the ball and that was the grace of his touch was what attracted me to stefan Edberg. so that was it, stefan Edberg all the way till date it's only stefan Edberg. that he's my sole influence in tennis
1: even these days even with the 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 current generation that, that were
2: definitely I, I haven't seen anyone as good as him in what he did Oh, that's a statement we'll get onto that later. <laughs>
0: it's funny for me, actually, because I was, like I said, I was a Boris Becker fan. And now the tables have turned because Boris Becker is now Novak Djokovic's coach. And then Stefan Edberg, who regularly used to break my heart as a youngster, is now Federer's coach, who I'm a massive fan of. So how the tables turn, hey? All the more reason for me now, then. <laughs> you Never know quite how it's going to turn out. That's what I mean.
2: Yeah, so Dan, since you have already started about how you've started following tennis and your name Jeremy Bates, is he your all-time favourite player or is there someone
1: else? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> uh, if, you're Thank fan, God. if you're a fan of tennis, you're not a fan, <laughs> fan of Jeremy Bates. It's I'd standard. be
0: concerned if you did say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no offence to Jeremy Bates, but you know, there are greater <laughs> players. <laughs> my my,
1: my favourite has, has been uh, Andy Murray, especially it was. I, I had a conversation with one of my best friends about Murray when he won the uh, Junior US Open um, back in 2002, I think it was or something. And I, we've just followed him since then. You know, it was it was it, it was nice to to have a British player come through the youth rankings and be so good. And, and so many people were talking about him in the same breath as they were talking about Nadal, although Nadal started his professional career a little bit earlier. So I followed Murray. Throughout his career and been a massive fan throughout. Um, Novak is my other favourite player, and I think he's the best tennis player of all time. Don't <laughs> even think there's an argument about it. When I was younger, it was um, it was Agassi and Ivanisevic. I used to love Ivanisevic trying to beat Sampras and Agassi trying to beat Sampras at Wimbledon, and rarely did. But you know, uh, I like I like a bit of a maverick in tennis. Um, so we'll come on to Nick Kiriakos there. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Oh. You've said Edberg, and you've said Federer. You'd want to tell us why even more. Uh,
2: Edberg, and I've not stated my other favor- favorite. I didn't want to say it in the opening segment. So it's Edberg, and since I already told I got into women's tennis first, it was Monica Sellers for me. Just the just the decibel levels got me attracted, if not anything else initially. There's was just someone who was very different who I who I could listen to playing tennis rather than watch literally. <laughs> that was the case with Celeste. But, she was wonderful the,
1: coming back as well. She showed amazing character yeah, coming back accident.
2: Actually I stopped following tennis for a while after the accident happened on the court. It's not fair to call it an accident actually but still. So I actually I was so upset that I stopped watching tennis for a while and then when The internet was very rare then here. So it was all newspaper. And when I first read the news that she's actually going to try and make an attempt to come back to the sport of tennis, I was like, nothing like it. So let me get, there was this lull in between where I didn't follow tennis. And once she came back, I was again full-time into tennis. So it's been Celis and Edberg and now Federer. And with Edberg as coach of Federer, it's like icing on the cake, literally. So Federer is someone I I prefer watching because just for the ease of ease in the manner in which he plays the game, nothing seems too difficult. Nothing seems like effort to me. I won't call. I wouldn't use the word effort when it comes to Federer. So that's what... I but I used to love Ivanisevic. My dad used to love Ivanisevic. He was like, it's, his games are great to watch. It finishes fast. He just say, it's like 15 love, 13 love, 40 love game. That's it. He's like, he was very happy
1: in watching Ivanisevic play. So well, those we'll were my... Young... He's the best serve I've ever <laughs> seen.
2: Yeah, and he had this weird service action first up, and then it's like, boom fifteen level. I'm like how my dad was like, how does it matter what the action is? See the end result.
1: He changed tennis a lot because they tried to make the balls heavier and the rackets less less responsive just because he was dominating so much on uh with uh, his serve. You know, it was so
2: an, Another guy who I was really attracted to, but I'm really disappointed that his carrier panned out was uh, the way it panned out was Marat Safin. That was Open, when he just came onto the stage, I, I, I was like, okay, this is a guy. I thought initially like that with is also, but I, I thought that Marat Safin's game was like far more all-round compared to Philippos's. So, Marat Safin was a guy who had high hopes from, but ultimately it didn't work out the way I thought it would. So, what about you, Marat? I, I know it's better, but any other names you're going to throw out here?
0: um yeah obviously you all know Roger Federer is number one for me I actually really do like Novak Djokovic I um I kind of he I just warm to him somehow I mean characters like Rafael Nadal have never appealed to me but Novak Djokovic is he's he's really matured in the last couple of years and I've actually really grown to like him I think he's an amazing guy as well brilliant player um obviously we all know that but Yeah, so strangely enough, I see a lot of people, Federer fans, who don't like him very much. But I think, you know, respect where it's due. And the guy has made such an effort and he's just turned his career around. Um, In the ladies, I don't know if any of you, you know, might be a little surprised by this. I really, really like Petra Kavitova, but she is just so inconsistent. That um it's just horrible being a fan of hers. She can be brilliant <laughs> one match and absolutely rubbish the next. But when she is on form, I just think she's unplayable. She's I mean, the Wimbledon final last year was an amazing match to watch. But yeah, she's my she, favourite she, lady. She
2: is she's one player who I would downright say yes, if she's on form, she'll easily beat Serena. I actually yeah. think she
1: oh, can. Yeah. She no. can definitely. No, if of Serena's course on she top can. of a game. Nobody
0: she can. can. No, I think of it. Like I said, her game's so high risk and she plays, you know, hitting the lines and everything. But when she misses, she misses bad. She can a set six love and lose the next one six love. It's just ridiculous. But when she's on form, I think she's a brilliant player. Just wish she was I just think a
1: high risk game, it means that she's going to have more love, uh, love six games and love six sets than six Mm. love sets because if it's so high risk. Yeah, she, she needs to hit the lines, and it's, it's millimeters whether you are hitting the lines all it, the time.
0: If she could find some kind of balance with it, I think she could be really, really good. But until but she that does... might
1: just take out the best part of her game. But game management yeah. know when to know when to go for the winner rather than looking to hit a winner every point. I think you know against Serena, you can't. You just... I think Serena against Serena, it's not a bad tactic to go for the winner every time because you're not going to out. Rally but against some of the other players, I think she needs to. Uh, it's a game management that's the issue. She's got all the talent in the world and, yeah. all, and all the shots.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. She's got the game. Essentially
2: she, just to... essentially, she needs to ensure the game is good that she reaches the stage to play Serena. She might get knocked on before.
0: <laughs> true, true, exactly. <laughs> like I said, she could, you know, when she won Wimbledon the first time in 2011, everyone was saying she's going to dominate tennis and she's going to be the next number one player in the world. And then she just went away for a few months and didn't do anything. Mavratula
2: in fact, had been talking about her for a year before, from so then saying, "Watch out for Petekuerto."
0: Yeah, and you can understand why. But like, like you all just mentioned, she's just so inconsistent. She cannot keep any form up for any any stretch of time to be able to do anything really. She wins a tournament and then that's it. You know, we don't hear from her for for a good few months after that. But yes, yeah, I do really like her. If she could get her act together, she could be a brilliant player. <laughs>
2: And Dan, except anything except Djokovic, you have done any memorable games? We are going to talk.
1: Yeah, I've got, I've got a few. Um, One of my, apart from a few Sampras and Agassi ones, um, one of the first memories was the was the Graf Navotna final um, when when Navotna Graf just collapsed. Graf was an absolute massive favorite, huge favorite for this. Had been dominating the women's game for years and years, and then and then the Votner, ah, oh, she came back six one, and then she was up, and then she just, oh, it was so heartbreaking it was to wasn't it. It? Yeah, oh, it was terrible. Um, recent, and she she yeah. cried on know, the on the royal shoulder. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <She did. laughs> yeah, well, it was it was it was sad to watch as well. And she it came was... back and won it, didn't she? Did not she come back and win it? I think she yeah oh, she, she won did the doubles definitely. Yeah. did. Um, but yeah, the Olympic final um, that Murray won was a was w- was a huge one in terms of following Murray. And then the the probably the best match I've ever seen was was Novak versus Nadal in two thousand and twelve. The final it was the five, oh, five well, hour, I had that one as well. Five hours, <laughs> forty five minutes just an incredible standard of tennis for such a long period of time. Uh, although the two thousand and eight Wimbledon final between Nadal and Federer again was an amazing. Standard come from start to finish. Federer on top of his game, Nadal just outpowering him at the end, but it was just incredible. Federer should have probably won that one, really. But my, my, my most memorable and favourite is, is the, uh, 2012 US Open final at Merrywood. I've been waiting some like 25 years for, for, Britain to win, you know. We had, uh, Rosetsky pretending to, to, try and win one. Uh, Henman came a few semi-finals, but when they actually, the first ever Grand Slam, um, was, uh, was the Murray final when he beat Djokovic that was amazing um, the Wimbledon one was obviously fantastic but just winning that first Grand Slam was huge for me so Mara, what about you?
0: he's named have... few
2: of yours I suppose he's named few that... of mine as well
0: yeah you no know, I had um, the Australian Open final uh, Djokovic and Djokovic, what was that 2012 yeah 2012 and yeah it was just ridiculous I remember sitting there on my backside for literally the whole six hours and not moving <laughs> And I was, I think I had something to do that day. And I was like, when is this match going to finish? And it was just the, you could see on their faces, they were spent, their legs had gone, but just how they were carrying on was insane. It was just an amazing, amazing final to watch. So yeah, that's one of my memorable. I, I obviously do have to have a Federer favorite as well, because then it just wouldn't be me without it. I've picked um, the, and Dan might not like this, but anyway, <laughs> I've picked the French Open semi-final of 2011 when Djokovic was on the 43-match unbeaten streak and I had no hope. I thought, Oh well, no, is not going to win this. But he did. He came back and he won and he ended that streak. And the drama in that match was brilliant as well. I mean, the crowd were just so behind Federer and it was they they really wanted him to win and you could tell by Novak's face that he was he was getting a bit upset I think at the crowd's reaction to you know all of Federer's winners and whenever he would miss a shot the crowd would, you know, really cheer. Um so yeah, I think that got under his skin a bit. Um and then there was all the drama of if it had gone to a fifth set that they wouldn't have um, they wouldn't have played, they would have had to stop and play the next day. But yeah, Federer finished it in four, and I remember screaming in my house at the time. So that's definitely one of my memorable matches. That's a,
1: that's a good shout for one of Federer's best as well. That's yeah. One of his best performances, because Jocko was. was on fire that season.
0: He was, he was. And like I said, I wasn't really expecting a win, but then to come out to win it as well was just um, brilliant for him and for, for his fans.
2: So if I could... Talk about the same topic. Uh, the Funnily enough, Dan mentioned it because the first ever final I ever watched since I already told you, right? I started watching women's tennis first was the Yana Navotna Steffi Graf final. So I, so my mom was supporting Steffi Graf and I had no idea who both of them were then. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. But the way the match unfolded, I, I, though it was my one of my earliest memories in tennis, I still remember it. That is one of the games. Another one of the games, though I won't call it memorable, but it was so unexpected, was the, was the final, I think, 96, right? Richard Krachek and Malivai Washington. It was well, like.
1: Just, this I love it.
2: <laughs> just, just two unknown names playing in the final of Wimbledon. Just imagine. It's something unimaginable for me, at least. Wimbledon isn't associated with such names, but I still remember Sampras got knocked out really early, I think, second round or something. And this, just it was like if you had to literally have a random draw for the finals of the Wimbledon, these are the kind of two names you would draw. And Richard Krajicek, everyone will now remember. Who, who
1: beat Sampras that year. Was that when Federer burst on the scene? Or was that later on? No, that was 2001, I think, yeah, one yeah, or 2002. Yeah. <laughs> the Krajicek beat Sampras then, because I can't, I can't remember Sampras losing. Yeah,
2: he got knocked out in the second or the third round, I think. So that is one I. The at least in my whole family we all enjoyed the one where Ivanisevic won that Pat Rafter was it, right?
1: Yeah, when he beat Hemman after they went off for rain in the semi-final uh, yeah. when Hemman yep. was winning.
2: We were like it was so topsy turvy and like the whole family was rooting for Ivanisevic. Like at least at least for all the entertainment he's provided, he deserves one whether he's as good a player to, a Monday to win. Monday as
1: well it went to a Monday the final.
2: Yep, it did. Because there was a range stoppage, so that was one. And another one was the Federal Roddick one where Roddick was playing I think he played his best tennis ever in that first set. Is that uh, the two
0: thousand and nine one?
2: Eight or nine, I'm not sure. One of the two years. Two the nine I think. And then nine, they had a eight bra-
0: was Nadal,
2: yeah. Yeah, eight was Nadal. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> since you mentioned Nadal, I'll not forget that final actually was scheduled on the day I had freshers in my post grad. So people were like literally drunk and dancing and then i was sitting in the bar watching the game <laughs> <laughs> <And>
1: people...
0: <Dedicated laughs> well, you, you got your priorities right you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice one you <laughs> come to your freshest this is your time to know your seniors i'm like i have two years to know my seniors i don't have two years to watch this game and it literally went for hours so i refused to leave until the game got over and people were People were just praying, they didn't care who won, they just wanted the match to end and the match just kept going on and on and on. And people were like, then one guy was like, he said, you all carry on, I'll just wait with this guy and pick him up and come back. So that was, how I rem- still remember that final. This was scheduled on the day, it was my freshers during post-grad. So these are the, some of the matches I can recall at, at least now.
0: Any matches we'd rather forget, I don't know, if we haven't forgotten already? <laughs> the ones that maybe have broken our hearts a bit?
1: Yeah, I've got a few of them. The Henman <laughs> one. Uh, Henman. Yeah, Henman against Ivan Isovich when it, in the semi when it rained.
0: Oh right, okay.
1: Shree, you got any? Because he definitely had a chance to beat Rafter.
0: Right. Yeah. Not,
2: I wouldn't call anything which I would want to. Uh, if I would like to forget one match, it was the match where the Sellers incident happened. Yeah. I think it was Maliva. I think she was playing that day. Magladina Maliva. I'm not sure. What, I've seen what tournament hundreds, was it?
1: I have I have seen hundreds of tennis matches that I have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I so wouldn't blame well. you for that.
0: Well, mine, obviously, were the two semifinals that Federer lost to Djokovic at match point in the U.S. Open. I think I did cry in one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, little moving swiftly on hey <laughs> 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 so we're going to move on to some of the um topics that in the news recently tennis wise um Nick Kyrgios has been um in the news a lot recently with the incident against Stan Wawrinka so we wanted to talk about sportsmanship in tennis so Dan if I can start with you what are your thoughts on the whole situation and what do you think about sportsmanship in tennis
1: Kyrgios I can't say his name he was, uh, <laughs> I'm terrible at that. He was, he, he was fined, wasn't he? Uh, $25,000 US dollars, uh, Aussie dollars and might have been US dollars actually. And, and, uh, had a 28 day fine, uh, suspension. He, he overstepped the mark massive, like absolutely terrible thing to say. No need to, to, uh, to bring that into the, into the, you know, into a, into a tennis match. But I don't think we need to be. All the moralising that goes on with him, is terrible as well. Uh, Some of the the Australian tennis legends, some of the things they said about him after Wimbledon was horrific. Um, So he's got a balance to find. But I want characters in tennis. McEnroe, Agassiz, all characters, all all didn't fit in with the establishment. And I want people like that. So I want people to challenge the boundaries, but he needs to find out what they are, and soon, or else he's not going to last very long. Um, in terms of sportsmanship though, tennis has had some excellent, um, the, can you remember the one in the Aussie Open this year when uh, Nadal served and it was something like 6-5 in the fourth against Smitschek or something like that and um, someone someone screamed from the crowd just as he went up for the for the toss for the first serve and as this guy screams, Nadal puts it massively out and the umpire says, you know, it's the second serve and and uh Smitschek just said no, we'll play it, play it again in the first serve. And Nadal praised him afterwards because it was six five, you know, and Nadal went on to win. So it can happen and should still be praised when it does happen. But because of all the technology these days, is there's, there's very little sportsmanship you can show in terms of calls or in terms of you know things like giving the serve back. That was a fan's fault. I think you'll see in the
0: in the French Open when you know when they see. um so they don't use Hawkeye there and they look at the mark on the on the line. So you see them sort of, you know, they rub it out. I mean, I know that the, the umpire can come down and have a quick look at that anyway. But it's, you know, it's nice to save the umpire the time. And, you know, just, yeah, that was in and that's fine. So things like that are quite nice as well. So on touching
2: on this Nick Nick Kriar's incident, I think we all agree that it was way out of line. And it was also unfortunate it happened with one of the really good guys in sport, at least whom I... I really think he's a good guy in Stan Wawrinka. I've seen him live a couple of times now in recent years. So it's unfortunate it happened to him. We where, need where characters.
1: Where did you watch him?
2: We have a Chennai Open. He's, he's the defending champion last couple of times. So it's the first tournament in the year, Jan Is first week. Is
1: it clear, clear or hardcore?
2: No, no, no. It, it,
1: it, it's hardcore. Hardcore. Smart. So yeah, he,
2: sta- he starts the year here. And he considers it lucky because he started here, and next week he won the Australian Open last
1: year. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. superb against Djokovic. Djokovic looked <laughs> on fire again. Did a bit yep. Of Federer there in the final.
2: Yep. So, uh, I think it was weird, and it's not the first time it's happened with Nick Kyrgios. Nick, Nick Kyrgios, he's had a couple of other small, small activities which is not come to notice now. I think with this incident everything has been put together now and it's it's just been blown up blown apart. But as Dan also said with the advent of technology with social media, any news just any viral news just spreads like crazy and tends to get exaggerated. You don't even know what are the facts of the case and the decision has already been made usually. So that is one of the pitfalls of modern day technology and modern day reach of social media. So but in this case at least a step way, way beyond this line, I think the punishment was kind of, there are certain things you say on on court and certain things you don't, and it was very clear. Sledging, sledging is on Australians, at least the cricket team is known for that, but this is a one-on-one sport, this is not a team sport we are talking and we are talking about the personal, personal aspects of a player, which is I personally think is not warranted at all on the court. Dan?
1: Exactly, well, it's a personal, it's when it, it's when it becomes really personal, especially like it did in that case, because these guys share locker rooms. They don't have their own locker room each. You know, they share the locker rooms. They share sometimes share the travel, sometimes share their eating space, pre and, pre and post tournaments or pre and post match. You know, the, the, it's 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 one versus one um, on either the the women's or the men's game, and they can't be personal attacks while you're playing a tennis match against the person you're playing. It's absolutely no need for it, and he should know that. It can be a character. He can, he can, he can rebel against the umpires, you know, the line judges, whatever. Is is a coach, whatever. But he does not need to get personal about the person he's playing. It he just needs to be.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Like I said, it's it's the personal aspect of it that was the 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 part that was the concerning issue here. But um, he, you know, he, it's just not befitting of tennis, really, is it? I mean, we we see in cricket, we see it in football. Like you said, they're team sports and, you know, they're always swearing at uh, each other and they get personal. But, you know, you don't really hear it on the microphones. You can hear everything in tennis. And you'll see, you'll hear Serena Williams, Andy Murray, and maybe not you know, Federer's and your Nadal's, but, you know, they swear when they've missed a shot and things like that. But, yeah, just, just getting personal, that was the, the issue here.
1: Well, swearing's always got to, it's always about the context in it and the swearing at the frustration of missing a shot. He's not swearing yeah. at his op- opponent. Yeah, and that's that, right. I mean, yeah. And you can teach if kids hear that word or when they're, when they're watching it on television, you can teach them that, that, that he's using that word within a context. And it's the context that is key. If you, if you're swearing at somebody, then it's offensive. If you're swearing at yourself or in frustration, it's, it's massively different. And, and you can, you know, they can learn from that. And I don't mind a sports person. Doing something that comes naturally to them as a reaction to, to missing a shot or doing something that they expect themselves to execute and coming up with it's a natural reaction, so you, it shouldn't be diluted. So they're not even allowed to so they've got to say oh damn or you know, they've got, they've got yeah. to have words imposed on them. You've got you've got to understand that. But then there is a there is a balance and if you and if it becomes constant throughout every game that Andy Murray played it'd be it'd be disgraceful. But if it's a one off In an emotional reaction to something, I think it's acceptable and shouldn't be discouraged.
0: The swearing, like you said, is heat of the moment. But the thing with the Curios situation was that he thought about that, and you know that was that was the worrying part. He, he, He yeah, he he did it on purpose. He'd actually thought about it, and he thought, well, I'm going to say this now, and he'd, you know, he'd picked his moment to say it when everything was quiet, and you know everyone could hear him. So. You know, there's kind of a little bit nasty streak to him then, which is which is not nice to see. Like you said, you can't explain that to children, or well, you can, but then you know they they they'll look at it in a different way, and they'll wonder, well, if he's doing it, maybe it's okay for me to do it. So it's difficult to to like you said, explain that to, to any youngsters watching.
2: Also, let's not uh, let's not forget the influence of crowd at least in the sport of tennis. They massively turn against you if they think you you're up to something nasty. Well, it's, he was booed ve- off. Was yeah, booed it's the very common match, in this sport. He? They expect certain standards. Like French Open is notoriously known for this. If they think you have indulged in some kind of a foul play or national play, they massively argue. Remember that Hingis incident? She was literally in tears. Well,
0: the French the Open cr- crowd will boo you even if you, you know, <laughs> just if you go up to the umpire and say, "No, that wasn't in, and that was," you know, some yeah. s- simple things like that. So they're really quite. <laughs> They're not really tolerant of those things anyway, yeah. So, you know, it doesn't have to be anything nasty there. It can just be a player having a little moan at the umpire about a ball that might have been out.
2: But that's what I'm saying. The sport as it is is known for fair play. The crowd's expected, the audience expected, the commentators are also expecting. So this was like way out of blue in terms of nastiness.
0: But it's just high standard as well in tennis, isn't it? It's higher than maybe other sports. You know, you've got, it just doesn't happen there. These things don't happen there. So if we
2: could just move on from one controversy to the other, at least on the ladies' side, we had this controversy of Caroline Wozniaki complaining that she was forced to play in the Rogers Cup without sufficient...
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: So Dan, what's your take on it? you have heard about this issue? Do you have an opinion? What What are your opening comments on this?
1: This is this is far more, dis- <clears throat> far more disgraceful than uh, a than curious, can <laughs> I can't say it. Curious incident because, um, because this is, this is reducing the standard for the person that's, for the, all the people that have paid to watch. to think that Wozniak is coming. She's going to be, she's going to be fully fit. She's going to be on the top of a game. And it turns out that she, she loses because she's not practiced for a week because she's been injured and forced to play. And then the reasons why she had to play is because she would have lost, um, she would have had a huge fine. And she also gets no points in her ranking, which she would have had had she, even if she's not turning up with a genuine injury. And they've obviously claimed that she's not had a genuine injury. So they, that not only are they disgracing her, credi- uh, her credibility, they're them forcing her to play. And if this is happening regularly and you're seeing first, second, third, fourth seeds going out in the first and second rounds, you're going to know why. It might not be that the, that the, deserve to lose to that person it might just be that they're being forced to play to just keep up the ranking and not face fines and if and if the standard of tennis you know I'd rather see two players fully fit playing rather than a third seed and a qualifier playing and the qualifier wins because the other guy can't walk or the other woman is is not fully fit has torn a hamstring and has got it all strapped up or whatever the incident whatever the injury if you've not had practice for a week you're not going to play the tennis you're capable of
0: when she says forced to play, I mean, it does, is that because she thinks if I don't play, I'll get fined and I'll lose my points? Or what, what does yeah, she well, mean she by that, forced? Because yeah. that's a bit... The, She's going to get a
1: fine, but why should you have a fine if you've just had a genuine injury? That's the, you know, it's kind of... She, she used the word forced, but I don't think she was. She
0: yeah. yeah, I think the words were a bit strong. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, cause but it, 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 it's, it's to sustain her rankings at least to towards the year end, I think... She, That's what she means by forced to. If she needs to be in the reckoning, she's forced to play such tournaments. Because let's not forget, Montreal is a premier five. So that's what the fourth category. That is the majors, world championship, then the premier mandatory, and then the premier five. So that's the fourth category. They have 900 points up for grabs. So... I think in terms of sustaining her points, I think she means forced to play, Is my yeah, opinion. Yeah, on...
0: because I can't think the fine would have been too much of an issue. These players are millionaires, so I don't think the fine would have been um, you know, something that would have forced her to play. It must have been to do with the ranking points.
2: I think I'm just personally aggravated with her leanings towards football, though. Just because it happened to Wozniak, I think I'm more pissed off than usual. But it's been happening for a while now at least and it's at least someone has taken a stand to because see now the problem is there are also this parallel issues of people being accused of tanking matches and if half fit players come on to play the game and they lose and we don't realize they are not actually fit this tanking issue comes goes hand in hand mean we don't know whether they were not fully fit or is the is the issue of tanking actually happening i think That's a more of a worry. It's, it's, you don't, you are, you stop trusting the game itself. And that on a higher level is my bigger worry.
1: Well, I was, I was concerned that she mentioned the ranking points because I would assume that if she was injured, she wouldn't get any anyway. So I'm thinking that if you've got, you've got a genuine injury, then you get to keep the percentage of the ranking points that you managed to get in that, in that tournament the last time you played it. And it's rolled over to your next season because it's done on a rolling basis, isn't it, the rankings? So. I I, I was a little bit shocked that she mentioned ranking, so there must be a reason for that. Or she's just moaning and it's not a huge money fine. But it does suggest that players are playing when they're not at their peak. Um, and maybe that's part of tennis. You know, I was talking to a friend today about it and he says, you know, the reason why he doesn't think Fedor is going to win the US Open is because Fedor is very good over a week and can sustain that. Um, in terms of his fitness, but over two weeks he now struggles to get the best out of himself in the semi and the final. I think that's a fair point. Part of tennis is, you know, Murray recently beat Djokovic, and Djokovic had had treatment in the semi-final quite heavily over over the semi. Djokovic managed to get through, but he clearly wasn't fit. And then he comes and turns up against Murray in the final, who is fit. And then, so is it just a battle of fitness? Is it a battle of who's the strongest? And Nadal was clearly famous for that. So I'm I'm concerned if wasn't the accis is only 50% fit and and she thinks she has to play for whatever reason that shouldn't the fact she should be able to say look I'm I'm nowhere near capable of putting on a show here
0: i think with the um you know these guys they t- let wta know well beforehand which tournaments they're playing and then obviously then their ticket sales and everything depends on it i mean for example somebody living in uh, Toronto say for example the, the tournament that she was on about and if they were a huge Wozniaki fan they would be rather upset that she she pulled out now I, I know that obviously some, sometimes you can't control but a lot of money rides on these things and sort of from the fans perspective and I know that's not um, what the players want to hear but then there's sort of kind of both sides to it as well
1: but if I'm a fan of Wozniaki I'd rather see I'd rather see Wozniacki at her best rather than a pale imitation you
0: know? yeah, yeah no, that's going to be agree. a lasting
1: memory then <clears throat>
0: Yeah, it but it's just a, um, they, they, a lot. So happens. so much they, yeah, so much money is put into these things, and they use these, you know, their faces to sell tickets and things like that. So it's a big deal for them if it doesn't pan out as as they want it, as much as we, I think, we don't like to say. it. I think one
2: more aspect to this issue, at least, is this issue like you are only allowed to pull out if it's a legitimate injury. Now, who decides what is legitimate? Becomes an issue. She already. She had already lost the previous week in the first round or second round. She was clearly struggling. So I'm not sure why this isn't considered as a legitimate injury. So I'm not sure. I, is that a gray area? I'm not sure. I'm not too well versed with the rules. Dan, you have more, You have any more info on this, or umar you have info on this? What did they actually the
0: say? It was an, a not a legitimate injury. i, don't, I wasn't
2: aware. No, of the that. rules state that you. If you, if you okay. are allowed to pull out if it's a legitimate injury, so okay. I don't know what does
1: that mean exactly.
0: Well, I wouldn't think an injury is anything else.
1: Well, she said she <laughs> she said she had a calf injury, um, yeah, and but she also stated she was on it. She was hampered by it, so you would imagine there's got to be some level assessment either by um, the, AT, the the WTA uh, medical staff when she either arrives at the tournament. I don't know how that would work. But if she if she is, you know, assessed to have had a calf injury, then you know, who she must have decided that she's going to play and it sounds like she's it's the pressure of rankings and fines that's been her motivation not to. But she also knows she's not hundred percent and she you can't put a percentage on it, but she she, she knew she weren't playing her best tennis. So again it's a balance. I'm just concerned that if this is a trend, I'm not particularly bothered about Wozniacki. it's just more is this a lot of players playing when they're absolutely nowhere near ready. Um, and if you see qualifiers beating, beating top seeds or second and third seeds, then I think you've got to see that that's the case because qualifiers have had a couple of matches before they get there as well. So their fitness is, is peak Where whereas if players are being forced to play just to keep ranking points, then, you know, because you get quite a few ranking points for first and second rounds. Um, so, you know, it's much better than zero if, if, as long as you just turn up
2: yeah the, the toronto has 900 points as i mentioned the premier mandatory one has thousand points for grabs so it's no not small points we are talking
0: and if it is to do with the fines i mean i was reading up on this earlier and correct me if i'm wrong um any of you guys but if they fulfill their media obligations then they don't get fined so i think it must have been the ranking points that was were the issue here
1: yeah cuz she's made the most of her media appearances sense <laughs>
0: yeah so i mean if she, even if she's injured she could still do all the all the media stuff so you know the any parties or events or whatever it is that they do and where they need them to turn up and show their face so um apparently they don't get fined if they carry on with that even if they don't play
1: Maybe, maybe it was a bit of an excuse then. <laughs> could, could well have been. So uh, let's
2: assume the appetizers are done. So should we get on to the main course? Uh, the US Open preview. So Dan, initial thoughts on US Open? Excited about it? How do you think it's going to pan out?
1: Always excited. Always enjoy uh, the hardcore season. Um, how do I think it's going to pan out? I'd say, I'd say if you're if you're going to bet on it, um, your money know, should go on Federer. And um, he's by far the best value. Um, he's only third favorite. Um, so you've got Andy Murray, second favorite. I don't think he can beat a peak Djokovic or a peak better at the moment. Um, and then Nishiko is my outside bet. Uh, I think he's got he's got an awesome game for the U.S. Open. He knows it right to the back of his hand. Um, he knows the conditions. Uh, his return and serve, and and uh, range of shots is superb. Um, so, if you're going to ask me who I think going to win it, I think Novak. And um, if you're giving me a, f- a fiver to bet on it, I'd say Federer. Um, and if you ask me who I want to win, it's Murray. <laughs> I'm surprised to be honest. And, and I don't think there's a debate when it comes to the women's one. I think Serena's going to complete the grand slam.
2: Okay. Okay. Umara. So, yeah. he's covered all his bases. So, yeah, yes, yeah, does, doesn't he? You're just going to say a lady's going to win the women's title? <laughs> uh,
0: no, I won't be that. Bad. I won't be that big. <laughs> but I agree with Dan. I think you can't really see past Djokovic. He's just uh, the overwhelming favourite at the moment. Um, Federer maybe, but then he needs things to sort of fall into place. So he's not the Federer of old anymore, unfortunately. Uh Murray I just think is a little bit of mental frailty still there because he's got the game. you know, he maybe some issues with his second serve and things like that. I sometimes do wonder if he's got got it all right upstairs. I think I think sometimes that lets him down a little bit. He really, really gets upset with himself on court. You see that a lot. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure about him winning it. Um in the women, you can't argue with Serena Williams. I'd love somebody I do like Serena Williams, but it's getting a bit boring now. I would love somebody else to win it. Um Shara another one, but she's she's injured at the moment, so we don't know where she where she stands right now. Um I had Nishukori and Vavrinka as my um, sort of underdog slash outsiders to to win it, because Vavrinka's obviously shown us that he can. Um and for the ladies
2: I, I, I think it's Hunter you call him an outsider though
0: it is but then you've got these amazing you know Djokovic, Federer, Murray people like that in front of him you know in, in another era he would probably have been world number one but you know it's just his bad luck that he's playing now Um for the ladies I'd love Halep to win it she, I do really like her I'd love obviously Kavitova to win it as well but she'll probably go out in the first round as we all know <laughs> to someone we've never heard of <laughs> I'd I think that's, win it, that's yeah.
2: one of the things with women's tennis is you just can't predict except Serena Williams winning it you you can't even predict their final opponent. Yeah, you it Serena
0: can beat herself changing. though. Serena can beat herself very easily. We've seen that. Um I think it so, would be yeah, contest Ser-
2: contested.
0: Yeah, what well, if she's out then it's just anybody's tournament really isn't it? If she does go out to herself Azarenka, in whatever round.
1: Azarenka I'd say. or Sharapova as yeah. the US Open. Sharapova. Yeah,
2: I mean she, yeah, but you just keep hearing these new names every tournament. This is the new this new x new y and there's just never a consistency like the men's game.
0: Yeah, it's difficult just, to predict, you know. I wonder what's going to happen when Serena Williams retires and if she ever retires. it Doesn't seem like she's retiring anytime soon, but um you know, who will She's really not had a proper challenger for a long long time now. Her sister was probably the last one, I think. And after that, it's been an easy, easy ride for her. Shara Pogba so, is the, the next, you know, sort of kind, of kind of best one around. And she's had she's got a crazy winning record over her. So, you know, that shows you the gulf between the, the number one and the two in the world.
2: I think at least my favourite, at least from the men's side, is clearly Djokovic. I think if he just remains fit and doesn't get injured during the tournament, I think it's all good for him. I think that's my only worry if he gets injured during the tournament. Because... Uh, after least changes, routine. I think his his fitness levels is far supreme compared to anyone else. So I don't think anyone touching Djokovic if he remains fit. I think is usually in Grand Slams is he brings his A game. So unless it's some superhuman effort, I don't I can't look beyond Djokovic. Uh, Federer I would be happy if he if he reaches the later rounds at least the semifinal or final. But I'm just tipping Djokovic and women's side, as I already told, I have no names other than Serena Williams together because I'm not sure who's going to turn up. But if I want to name a really rank outsider who has literally no chance of winning, but whom I think if he brings his A game over all the rounds, which I've never seen happen, is someone by the name of Milos ravnich He's a Canadian.
1: Superb yeah. serve. Awesome serve. Yeah. yeah.
2: If, but I've never seen him sustain over multiple rounds. But this is this is a surface which really suits him. He, he's very uh, accustomed to the conditions. So, if he brings his A game over all rounds, I think he could cause an upset or two and go into the second half of the tournament. So, that's that's the rank outside uh, I'm going to name. So, we have not talked... Of, actually, it's a bit sad. Actually, we have not talked about Rafael Nadal at all. You know,
0: I was I know just he... going to say the same thing. I was just thinking the same. It's a b-
2: yeah. bit sad, actually, irrespective of whom you support, whom you root for. It's a bit sad that when we are talking about so many names, we don't talk about Rafael Nadal. So, Dan, Rafael Nadal, what's happened to him this year? Is it just sheer wear and tear over all these years, which is catching up? or is, I, think, I just...
1: think, yeah, in the last two and a half years, we've not seen really the same Rafael Nadal occasionally at the French, um, but not, not to the level that he's been um, over the time that I've watched him play. Uh, the, the He's got the highest level of endurance I've ever seen in a tennis player. Maybe Djokovic sometimes enters him, but I think over a long period, um, he's at he's a level of endurance. How he shows on clay every time he plays on it virtually is um, he, phenomenal. Uh, his forehand, the whipped forehand, the amount of spin he puts on the ball is something you know you, you rarely see in tennis. The amount of whip he gets on that forehand um, is incredible. So, what's happened? I just think it's injuries. I don't think he, he's had a variety of injuries, haven't he? And I don't think he's ever got back to um, what what now looks to be his peak. What was his peak fitness when he was when he was really dominating again two, between two thousand and eight and two thousand and ten. Um the, the rivalry he had was with Federer was unbelievable. So you know, it's a shame, but it's not the same player now. And it's it's sad to watch.
0: Do you think that so, was always on the cards though, Dan, that because teams he's he really uses up a lot of energy with, you know, the way that he plays and emotionally he puts a lot of effort into his you know, his game as well. Whereas someone like Federer he's quite effortless and you know, you can see how, how him playing for even a few more years, but do you think a, sh- a sort of shortish career was always on the cards for Rafa? Well,
1: absolutely. I remember Sue Barker introducing his first match at Wimbledon, and I think he was two and a half years younger than what, um, Andy Murray's first match at Wimbledon was. So he's two and a half years further on in terms of Grand Slams. Um, he, he just, he, his, his strength, like I said, was, you know, that's why he's, that's why he was probably the best we'll ever see him Claire. He... It was just getting to the ball. He could always get to the ball and get it back. And he could do that for longer than you. And although he had a brilliant forehand that worked for him for a couple of years on grass, that was his main skill. His huge amount of power, which is going to cause injuries over a long period of time. And then his endurance levels. So it's going to, it's going to cost you. And it's especially knees and ankles, which seem to be a lot of the injuries he's had.
2: I think these slides all over the court actually puts sheer, The amount of stress on his knees and ankles must be insane on play.
0: But you see that with Djokovic as well. So do you think he might have similar issues or does he sort of approach his game a bit differently to to Rafa
1: Nadal? Point, I'm not sure. I think he's a little bit... He kills the points a lot quicker than what Nadal does. Um, So maybe that will have some effect. or Maybe maybe, um, sports science has moved on a little bit since when he started. And I I think there's a four or five-year gap between Djokovic's peak and Nadal. So... I don't know. It's worth, you know, Djokovic has had a few niggling injuries all season. so it's, it's worth noting.
0: Because you can see him slip and sliding all over the court and, you know, almost doing the splits at some point And it's amazing to watch. But you do wonder what it's doing to those joints and muscles. Um. So, yeah, I hope, you know, he, he doesn't have the same issues because we want to see him for, for many years to come.
2: Any of you guys see Nadal making it to the second week?
1: hope so. Probably not, though. <laughs> Fair point bit Clash between the head And the heart I suppose I think we need to It's hard to conclude A lot in terms of Who's going to be playing Djokovic in the final Or um, Some of the other Semi-final matchups Because we haven't seen The draw yet have we You know They're still doing The qualifiers yep.
0: so. Well I'm glad Fed- Federer got his Number two ranking back So <laughs> <Disgrace>. <laughs> At least that keeps Djokovic oh, out of the sight Until That is the biggest finals.
1: Disgrace of this podcast The fact Andy Murray Is will Number two Andy Murray better Record yeah. than Federer in the last three years at, at Plushy Meadows gets oh, favoritism <laughs> gone mad. This on, I'm gonna fume about this on Twitter for hours. Is that allowed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's <laughs> is very it, rarely the, tennis fume, you see, on my timeline. Uh, this is what that's you would call tennis Deng. fume. I'll I've never seen Justin tennis fume
0: before. But... Sorry, I just I had to stop then. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Crazy crazy. So any of you watch doubles as well? I'm not sure I personally do. Uh, so you any of you watch doubles, if you do. Any predictions or any things to watch out for?
1: I haven't. One thing I've noticed um from from Following Jeremy is doubles is unpredictable apart from the uh, Bryant brothers, is it? Bryant brothers. Yeah. And yeah. the only the only doubles I ever usually watched, the couple at Grand Slams maybe, but is the Davis Cup. Uh, so I don't watch much doubles, but I really enjoy it. I remember watching that battle over being amazing at doubles as well as singles, and thinking, yeah, it's a complete tennis place.
0: It's a shame we, we don't see any of the. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't watch too much doubles because you know obviously take even watching singles takes up a lot of of time. Um, but watching um, with the doubles, I do. It would be nice to see some of the, the you know top guys play that sort. Sometimes you know you don't see them, and I think if they played it, then we'd watch a bit more. But I can understand that their schedules just don't allow them to even think about doubles. But it would be nice to see maybe Federer with playing with Djokovic or something like that. But yeah. that's never going to happen, is it? I think I think two weeks back Andy Murray
2: actually played. Why I know is he, Andy Murray was Leander Paes's hundred and first partner. Imagine hundred and one part different partners.
0: Wow, that doubles. sounds wrong.
2: So, He's yeah. an
1: absolutely, absolute legend in terms of doubles, aren't Yeah, uh,
2: I think Andy Murray, actually Pace and Murray lost to Jamie Murray, I think, that week. Two weeks back.
1: Yeah, the first so, time they've ever had a competitive match against each other. And um, Andy Murray said his inspiration for, for trying to be that good at tennis was because his brother always beat him. So, <laughs> yeah. when they've actually played a game, he beats him as well. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, they, because and they won a Wimbledon before him as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so it was always called the Adam Murray. So I think it's pretty unfair, um, Jamie Murray as well. After all, Britain has been craving for some kind of a title there. So I do watch tennis because it doubles a lot because I, especially the women's doubles because we have at least from India we have Sanya Mirza who's the current world number one, and she will they will be the top seeds in U.S. Open I think uh Mirza and Martina Hingis. It's so refreshing to see Martina Hingis play again. I, I think I, I enjoyed watching her a lot during her prime career which unfortunately was cut short. But I think it's great to watch they they are a perfect balance of power and poise if you could call it. So I think women's doubles if, if they actually turn up, I don't think anybody else will win. But it's a question it's, of if they a, turn up
1: is doubles a specialism in, in India or uh, could you yeah, can you tell us why there are um more singles? stars if you, if you want
2: to play. i think i i think one there's a lack of proper support in the country uh, so most players tend to favor doubles one because uh they they are unable to compete in single Pace gave it a proper shot uh for a while like uh, the mid 90s i i remember a couple. one was obviously the olympics in 96 he won the bronze there i think agassi and bruguera were the other two on the podium, and then he won one in Newport, I think, where he beat Pete Sampras. I think that must be his claim to say, irrespective of what he's achieved in doubles, beating Pete Sampras in singles is definitely something you would brag about during, after the end of your career. Though I don't know whether, when his career will end. He's already 40 and he wants to play in Rio Olympics. So I don't <laughs> think his career is... We is should not be even... The
1: development that? of Jung going into Indian singles players <laughs> then there, is it?
2: Yeah, there, there there are just a couple of them but most seemingly prefer te- uh, doubles maybe. I think they recognize early that they don't have the skill set to survive in singles. So we have a cu- couple of decent double players now. Pace is one. We had Bopanna who was playing doubles, who's still playing doubles. But I think now the recently Mirza's her stock is at an all-time high, world number one top seed. She's just been awarded the highest sporting award of the country, the Kale Ratna Award. She's been nominated for that this year for her performance throughout the year. So I think her stock is at an all-time high. So I think if they do turn up, I think they'll easily win the doubles. Uh, if they don't, then as with doubles, as you said, we do. The Bryan brothers have also started dipping. I think, I think their career is also on the way in, they, it's 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 not about not winning. They 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 are losing far more often and far more easily than what they are used to. So I think the Bryan brothers aren't whom you would call favorites anymore, and I think that's a bit sad. I think they are they are the three top uh, doubles pairs I've seen. Please uh, them the Woodies and Pace and Bhupati on the, in their short-lived prime the three best players I've seen. So it's a shame, though. Good knowledge. Yeah. I tend to watch doubles a bit more, though. So, so that's about it. So any any, any early-round upsets you think might happen? Any players who you think are vulnerable to early-round shocks? I know anybody is on their day. But any names you think would be would prime candidates? So or I, any players I think it's
1: impossible to say because the draw has not been done. And until you see who they're playing, it's hard to call whether they're likely to be an upset, I think. I did try I think and, I, I tried to figure I think, it out, but other than Nadal who might just be injured, I don't know. I think in the women's side, I think
2: there is someone who would call as a dangerous floater now is Ivanovic. You don't know what's going to happen. She's going to cause upsets, or she's just going to get no. She's a dangerous floater. We use this term a lot in cricket, a dangerous floater. So she's someone whom you wouldn't want to face in early rounds if you're the top players. She's just making a comeback, but with her, you don't know as usual. With, it's it's a bit like Quitova, uh, as we talked before. You don't know what you're going to get from her. Umara, any any names?
0: Like Dan said, it's a bit difficult. Um, with Ivanovic, she's seeded seven, so I think yeah. she probably won't meet any of the top Me. players till later on. But, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to say, really. I mean, in the women, anything's possible. Serena could go out in the first round. You never know on her day. It's happened before. Um, unlikely. But, you know, it's, it's just that unpredictable. Um, so, no, not really any, any big shocks. Sharapova, like we said, if she, if she does come, I mean, she's scheduled to play in the US Open. We haven't heard anything different, but she have, she was injured last week. So, she's another one that could be um, upset. But, you know, she does tend to sort turn it around when the big tournaments come, come around. But, yeah, I think pretty much looking at your top guys getting in the yeah, – getting where they should first be. week. I would love to see Azarenka do well because she's number twenty at the moment, which is ridiculous. And she obviously she was injured last year, so she needs to work her way back up. So she could meet somebody early on, which would be an interesting interesting couple first couple of rounds there.
2: I want to see what happens to Wozniaki. After all this huge noise. It's <laughs> for
1: it's forcing to play at Flushing Medals. There's two
2: thousand points now we are talking about let alone nine hundred, which was what Toronto was worth. We are I'd talking two
0: thousand. I'd love her to win. I'd love her to do it. Well. <laughs> she's a Liverpool fan, so there you go. <laughs> yeah,
2: definitely. yeah. Liverpool loyalty is in the in its proper place.
0: Yeah, but to be honest, she hasn't really got the game. I don't think to win a Grand Slam, not to beat those top girls anyway. She certainly hasn't got the mentality.
2: But she's you know, worked a huge lot on her fitness, though. She's taken to running marathons and all.
0: I think I don't think her fitness endurance was ever an issue. I think it's just sometimes her range of shots. No, she, she doesn't she, really get too like power on it.
2: She's talked about how running has actually helped her clear up mentally and in terms of fatigue levels, mental fatigue. Mm-hmm. She attributes more physical fitness helping her mental fatigue levels also. But as you said, her uh, all-round game isn't that much in-depth to get to the later rounds, I think. she
0: She had that quite a long, over a year where she was world number one and... Didn't really win. She won Masters, the sorry, the one thousand events, but not the not any Grand Slams, and that's, they have that horrible a... tag of being the Slamless <laughs> Number One. That, that's been a common level. theme in women's
2: tennis. Though a lot of players rising to number one without actually winning majors been happening over the last few years. Are
1: we, we going to yeah. do, so, do a massive in-depth review of the U.S. Open once it's y- finished? Sure, Only
0: a Federer wins. <laughs> you can't back out now. <laughs> we want a <the> Federer. <laughs> otherwise, you can, you
2: can just come in every one minute and say, I'm still sad, I'm still seething, I'm still <laughs> jealous. You can do that every
1: one minute. I'll have loads of, have loads of stats for you, don't you, Wura? Oh, yeah,
0: I'll definitely look forward
2: to that.
1: I'll look forward to in that.
2: The, the, then our, our duties are very much lesser now than Umara. We can yeah. say, ah, that, so we present our guest Dan. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Bye.
0: <laughs> we won't have to say anything. Yeah, we we'll just leave him to it for an hour. <laughs>
2: it, it, it will be perfect. Like joko you just he can just keep going. Dan, how much ever you want. Dan, Dan can supply you the numbers. Can supply you the. So that's going to be great. So Dan, before we close, any particular plugs you want to put in here? Since it's our first show, anything tennis related or non tennis related, anything.
1: Well, we're we're gonna have the uh the fight the, the cricket info podcast which we're recording tomorrow night, and um, for anyone wants to listen. And it's, Is it a celebration? part? Uh, well, kind of, but we lost the last test, so we'll see. And there's there's uh the Aussie on there, Alex from AI, so he'll be on.
2: Dead rubber,
1: <laughs> dead <rubber>.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> um, and hopefully a TTT tactics podcast soon. Um. Within the next oh. week or so, so that that should be good.
0: Can't wait for that. Love those. Umara, anything uh, to plug? I'm not going to plug anything AI because you'll do that anyway. So I'll just, um, Dan's not going to like this one, but I'll do it anyway. Um, rogerfedererfans.com. I write for them sometimes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so a really, really good website if you're a Federer fan. If you're a Djokovic or a Nadal fan, can't help you there. Sorry, <laughs> you need an auto reader. You can speak to Dan on Twitter and what is it, analyze sport. Yeah, i right, yeah. direct you there.
1: <laughs> no, if you're a Federer fan, I'll just dec- <laughs> yeah. I'll decline the request. I'll make oh, me just... block
0: you, Dan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> So nothing much to plug. I think the only thing I would plug is the writer show. They have a special fantasy football show every week covering each week of the fantasy football show. So if any of you are fans of it, do give it a listen. So that's it, man. hope you enjoyed it as much as we did on the show. Thank you and keep listening.